All right. How you doing? So I'm Coach Fraze, and we're going to have a discussion about weight loss. And I hope that you'll, you'll learn something. Um, you'll learn that I'm not 100% an expert on that, but I think I have some valuable things that I can work with people on. You'll learn some, some things from my own mistakes. Um, you will uh, hopefully work out a process that will help you in your journey. I hate the word journey because, you know, all those people on Instagram use my fitness journey, which is total crap. But anyways, um, but the process through, 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 through your life. So let's let's get started. A couple things. First thing is, I think it's always important to ask yourself, why are you here? Why, why have you decided to start to lose, to desire to, to, to lose weight or lose body fat? Um, that's a great question to ask. And it all depends on age and where you're at. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Number one, the younger people tend to want to lose fat because they want a, a, a physique facet, uh, aesthetic. They want to look a certain way. They want to look fit. They, they want to have a six pack. They... They want to people to see their prowess at uh, physicality. Um, okay. Doesn't really motivate you for a while, you know, because at some point you get gray hair, you start losing your hair, um, you get old, you get wrinkles and you get tired and all that stuff. And you just don't care what people think about you anymore. Um, and I think as we age, I think a lot of times, it comes down to what we can and can't do in stages of life. Uh, for men, it's losing the ability to do what you used to do when you were younger. Uh, part of it is by age, um, because we, we get a lot tireder, our testosterone levels drop, and a lot of other things happen. Luckily, they figured out a lot of that stuff to help us kind of get through that. But even still, we can't do what we used to do and we start to gain weight and we see it as a sign of our inability to have self-control and, and issues like that. Um, very, men are typically simple and in, 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 in minded. We still are small brained enough to think that we could, you know, we would feel better if we had a six pack. It's not true, but we still think that uh, if we looked fit, people would like us more. And you have to start breaking away from that habit, which is kind of hard for guys to do. But uh, we're simple-minded that way. And, and I'm sure there's other reasons for it. I mean, if I didn't name something that, that the reason why I don't feel like that you're an outlier, you know, there's lots of different reasons. Women are different. Um, it's a more of an emotional experience for them they you know they have children so they 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 sacrifice their bodies over and over and over again to to bring life into this world and they have to fight to get their body back um, there's nothing in the male realm of existence that 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 equal, equals that or even allows us to understand what that is the other thing too that happens is women's roles change throughout life. They go from new mom to mom to, um, to being grandmother or, and then to having their children, you know, before their grandmother, their children move out of their house and their jobs change in the sense of what they can and can't do anymore. And, and there's not a lot of changes there. We have a, men have an emotional journey, like 
I'll tell you it straight up. My girls leaving the house was really hard on me, but you know, in comparison to my wife, it was nothing hard for me, but that portion of it wasn't hard for her. It was other assets, you know, that daily taking care of somebody that, that she did so much better than, than, than I did. And so they come back at it in a sense of roles change and their body takes a bigger hit to parenthood in parenthood than men do. And so oftentimes it's, it's, a, it's a more of a physical and an emotional experience of how they're getting to that point. They lose their body where men, we neglect our body. That's a better way to determine. So I think you have to ask yourself why are you here? Um, don't assign good or bad. Don't say that my reason is good or say that I don't have a good reason. I, my reasons are all bad. Don't assign it to your self-esteem saying that I'm a bad person and I don't have this or that. Um, those, aren't, those aren't helping you at, at, at all um, in your process, but it is good to feel the emotion of why you're here, right? And to think about it for a few moments of, of, of doing that. And it helps you set the dedication for change, which is an important word. Motivation is very fleeting. Motivation does not stay for very long. Um, I always, you know, if you decide I'm going to run three miles every day. Okay. What are you going to do when it rains? Are you going to run? Uh, what are you going to do when it's 110, 115 degrees outside? Are you going to run? Probably not. Um, so you're really not that motivated at that point. Dedication creates a plan. You have a plan when it's 110. You have a plan when it's raining. You have a contingency plan for when things don't go the way you want it to go. Dedication is much more, and it doesn't allow, you can do things upset. We'll talk a little bit about that, how to, um, everybody always, you know, you, you have to get rid of the Instagram um, idea of exercise that everything's perfect you're always PRing. Um, I train when I'm upset I train when I'm unhappy I train when I don't like myself and it's not because I'm better than anybody else it's because I'm I've taught myself that I don't have to have a great workout that it's okay to have a bad workout to, to come come in and, and and only spend a few minutes in the weight room um, and, and that's something that we'll talk about later on because we equate too much self-esteem to by the fitness program that we use, what, how, how far we can run or how fast we can run, how much weight we can pick up, how many times we can do things. And none of that stuff matters. Um, so you, you, you kind of have to, you know, look at yourself. So let's talk about, we talked about that for a few moments and I'll come back to it here in, in, in a bit. Second thing is, is I think you need to lo look at What's the first step of getting yourself back? Well, first of all, you never lost yourself. That's the first thing. People beat themselves up way too much. Your this isn't this isn't you. And that's it's interesting when you talk to people when they come into they 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 say they look and it's like this is not me, right? This doesn't represent who I am. I get that. I, I get that. Life happens and things take control and, and, and you want to bring this outside is equal to the inside as, as possible. And we're all fighting that battle. Even people that you would 
say we're fit. They're, if, if anything, they're fighting it more because they're not addressing their, their mental health issues on, on a, lot of, a lot of issues. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that and why you shouldn't use uh, fitness models or bodybuilders or people that ascribe to saying that they're uh, fitness experts. And we'll talk about what an expert is um, because a lot of times the reasons why they're where they're at is the appearance of health, but not really health. So first thing before weight loss is health, okay? And then the two things that you need to pay attention to are blood pressure and heart rate. Um, those are two things that we can measure on our, on, their, on, on, on themselves. Yes, you should go see a doctor. Yes, you should get a physical. Are you, uh, a bit, you know, I hate it when people say, and we have to do it in our industry that you need to go see a doctor to see if you're healthy enough to work out. Well, okay, if training, no matter what level or at what intensity is, is the medicine to help you, why would we say that you couldn't do it, that there's a potential for not doing it? What I would suggest you say is look at your, if you need to go to the doctor to get a physical, what are the, what are the things, what are, what are the things that we need to work around? Um, if your heart rate is out of this world and your blood pressure is, you know, is not great, um, then we need to uh, uh, use those things as our aligning factors to, to train, put ourselves, uh, you know, let's not raise the heart rate up too much. Let's not increase the heart, the blood pressure too much. And let's knock these things down and, and control for them. So we use those as controls, right? And so first of all, you start, you know, one of the nice things about, you know, you know, Apple watches or whatever, your smartphone and stuff like that is you can track heart rate and um, even, um, and you can buy a blood pressure thing. Uh, I, I think first is try to track your heart rate. Um, one of the things we use in fitness is, is we use the carotid artery, right? Is, and you do it for six seconds and then you add a zero. So you count your, your, your blood pressure for, for uh, six seconds. And then, um, I don't, so if I, if I beat uh, 12 in six seconds, that's 120. And that's really, really quick. Now it's varied, right? Depending on what you're doing, right? But, and then you got to kind of learn that a, a little bit of it. Um, now, what you do is if you're at normal or at overweight, and we'll, we'll talk about that in another lecture, um, you can take your age minus 220, excuse me, 220 minus your age. So I'm 50, which would mean that I would have a max heart rate of about 170. Now it's estimated, right? Which means that I shouldn't go past 170 on, on, on a lot of things. So if I'm about, if I'm getting out of my chair and I'm maxing out it and I'm getting to 165, I've got to do some low level exercise that teaches my body to, uh, to, to be more efficient. So my heart doesn't have to work as hard. Blood pressure is, is a direct indication of vasal dilation and vasal constriction, right? It means that our blood vessels are getting smaller, right? And more blood is having to go through them and we want to get them bigger, right? So my personal theory, and this is my opinion, okay? So I can be wrong. I got a nephew that's a medical doctor and he will tell me if I'm wrong or not. Um, but there is a lot of good 
um, health benefits for getting your blood vessels to be able to, to dilate and constrict with and, and, and have their pliability. Um, in fact, a lot of the sub, sub supplements that, that, that I take, not name brand stuff, is basically helps with basal dilation and basal constriction. Um, because for me, lower, getting blood pressure to a, 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 a healthy level means my heart has to work a little bit easy, doesn't have to work as hard pushing the blood through everything. And so that's an important thing. So it's the first thing you need to do is start monitoring your blood pressure and your heart rate on doing different things. And if you, you know, you're, if you're morbidly obese, then you want to take your, take 200 and subtract your age. So if I was that, then I would be at 150 would be my max um, heart rate. And, and, and the reason for that is because we have to work at not, you know, you don't, we don't want to floor your, your engine all the time. Um, and that's where uh, there's a big mistake. You know, if you're hiring a personal trainer and they're kicking your butt every time, you, you need to fire that trainer. That's not a good person. Um, there needs to be easy days. There needs to be days where you can mentally work yourself through the workout and you don't have to go dig deep and, you know, do all those motivational quotes that don't really mean anything. So finding your health first, okay? And that's blood pressure and heart rate. Are there other things? Yes. But we can monitor those two things relatively easily from, you know, a, uh, you know, uh, and not get into the realm of trying to be self-diagnosing, uh, you know, as a doc, you know, not trying to play doctor on ourselves. So that's, that's an important thing to kind of think about. So finding your health first. Um, and that involves, and the best way to do that is walking. Uh, I like to walk. So, you know, I talked to you about how do you walk? Um, you know, how do you exercise if your cardio is your, 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 your jam, right? How do you exercise in the rain? And how do you exercise in 110 degrees? Well, in, in where the part of the world I live, um, it can get up to uh, post 100s. Um, we typically top out at, at 110, you know, maybe one, maybe maybe 15 days out of the summer, we'll be at one, 109, 110. But 100 plus, we will have at least 20, maybe 30 days, 100 plus. And you have to be careful with that because your body has a struggle to cool itself and you struggle to uh, with your hydration levels. And then in the wintertime, we don't get snow. Maybe every 10, 15 years, we get snow. Um, so most time it's in the, uh, during the day, during the winter, it's in the 40s and in the 50s and with rain and sometimes 60. So we go from 40 to 60 with rain, which is the the prime time for hypothermia, you know, the worst hypothermia is 65 degrees in rain with a wind. Um, it's, it's not sub below zero stuff. Um, so I walk because I can walk in the rain. I can cover up and maintain my, my core body temperature well enough in the rain. Um, and I can walk in the, in the heat. The only thing that I've ever had trouble where I had to stop walking is when we had fires the forest fires here in California, and it put a lot of soot in the air. I did it for one or two days and then found that, that I, I, you know, there's too much crap in the, in, in the air. If I had a painter's um, filter system, fil you know, gas mask, I would have worn that when I walked, and maybe that would have helped. 
but um, they were actually out of them when, when I went, because I guess everybody else had the same idea. So walking for me is, is something that, how far should you walk? Well, that depends. You know, when people start on this journey of um, trying to lose weight, they set automatic numbers of what they have. Like I, I get a lot of kids through college that were former cross country runners. And there's like, I want to get back in shape. And I used to run, I, you know, and in, in high school, I used to run five miles a day. So I'm going to go out and run five miles. And I'll ask them, well, how old are you? Well, you're 24 out of five. Okay. So you're talking like seven years ago, you used to run five miles. When's the last time you run? Well, well high school. Okay. Don't you think you should walk a mile? Um, you know, or just walk for 10 minutes and see, see what it is. No, no, no. I'm going to run five miles. And so they go out and they attempt to run five miles. They never make it. And then they don't, they don't move for the next couple of days because they're so sore. Here's the thing. If you haven't run or haven't walked for exercise for a long time, five, 10 minutes, day one, and people are like, well, I'll never get to my fitness goal. Yeah, you're not going to get there on the first week anyways. So why don't we do something that we can slowly add or progression, right? So walk five minutes. And then on, you know, if you started walking on Monday and five minutes was not a big deal, go six minutes and work yourself up to 10 minutes. And then at 10 minutes, you know, if you're not dying, then start adding five minutes at a time till you're at 35, 40 minutes, and then walk there for a little while. And at about 45 minutes, start worrying about how far you're going. Like, are you, are you making it a mile and a, you know, a mile, two miles? Um, probably not three, but, um, but somewhere between, you know, two plus miles, then you're probably doing pretty good uh, at, at what you're doing. And the couple things is going to happen is, is if you're post two miles at 45 minutes, because most people walk about 20 minutes a mile, um, your heart rate's going to go down and your blood pressure is going to start to even out a little bit. And those are good things. And you allow yourself to recover. So here's the other thing too, is why do you start at five minutes? Because you could probably do it again the next day. Here's the problem that people do is they go out and they do five miles day one, and then they can't do anything for a couple of days. Well, you've missed out. Uh, if you walked five minutes and then six minutes and then worked yourself up to 10 minutes by one minute at a time, you're only five days in, right? But you have developed dedication, which is important by going out for five days in a row, right? Now give yourself one or two days of rest. You don't have to walk every day like that. But then when you start to do that and you start to move your numbers up and walking, there's lots of things you can do. I have backpacks that I walk with. Um, I, I do heavy, you know, trap bar walks. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, when I'm getting ready for hikes, it's nothing, just gym shorts i mean not gym shorts, gym shoes and a you know and, and my exercise clothes and i walk for a distance and stuff like that there's a lot of different things you can do with walking that are easy on your knees and and easy on your ankles and that's the other thing that you have to look if you're overweight chances are you need to be very sensitive to your ankles your knees and your hips and so you want a repeatability of, of work and slowly let your body get used to it so I always look at it in the sense of I can always go harder tomorrow. So I'll go enough today 
and leave a little bit left in the tank. And that's really, really hard for people because they're like, well, I'm dedicated. I'm motivated. You don't understand how motivated I am. And I can do this because I did it once before. Okay, I know that's what you're saying, but everybody quits. And I have seen too many people quit because they can't do it anymore. And it's like your body determines what you can do. I get it. The mind is stronger than the body and, and all that garbage. But when it comes to getting your health back, the body determines the level. Um, I, I train five days a week um, doing something. And I train 48 weeks out of the year. Um, I go visit Hawaii and go to my sister's house there a couple of weeks out of the year. I do uh, backpacking. I consider that still exercise. But I only take, you know, four weeks off out of the year. And it's all planned. And it's not, and I do it because if it helps me, you know, like if I miss a day, um, I've trained four days. So I have two or three days of flex. Most, most weeks I'm training five days a, a week. So, you know, maybe once or twice a month, I'll miss a day. Um, it doesn't happen very often. Actually, it's more like every one, I miss one or two days every six to eight weeks. And, and, and I train my, and I plan my vacation as my rest time. So those are planned, those are planned days off. And that helps me build consistency because not every day I don't want to go out to the garage and lift weights, but if I do it on a regular basis, then it's just my habit. So if I get Alzheimer's, I, I don't know why I'm in the weight room. I don't know why I'm back squatting, but I'm doing it because I've done it for 50 years. Right. So that's, that's an important thing that people don't pay attention to is you have to build consistency and consistency is far better than intensity. You know, so I did uh, 30 miles on my birthday a while back. I walked 30 miles. I, my goal was originally 50 miles. Um, my, my body shut down at actually 20, 23 miles. And I set a goal to finish to get to 30 because that was past marathon distance. Um, and I just, okay. I, you know, that it, it was interesting. It took me the same amount of time to walk the last seven miles as it did to walk the 23 miles because I didn't realize my hip flexors were going to hurt that much. Um, and I had been training. So, but what I, you know, the, the, the story behind that is, is I couldn't, I took, two weeks off from exercise, not uh, from, from walking. I lifted weights still, but um, I couldn't walk for a couple of weeks for exercise till my feet healed up. And uh, so you think about it from a what? but if, but on average, I'm walking 30 to 40 miles a week. And, and when I spread it over five days, it's not that it, I don't have the I don't have the same problem, but when you do it on one day, then all of a sudden I have a problem. So always keep that in the back of your head is, is, is whatever you're doing today going to allow you to do something tomorrow. And after you, well, a couple things you'll, you'll see a relief of pressure of like, okay, if I didn't do great tomorrow today, I can do some stuff tomorrow. Right. And that's going to like, not every day has to be perfect. If you're only training two days a week, you don't have a lot of wiggle room because you miss one day, you're down to one day a week. You miss two days, you didn't train at all. So you can't screw around that much. 
you're training five days a week, you know, not every workout has to be the best because um, you, you can make up for things. And so that's, 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 that's one thing that you have to kind of think about. And two is your allows your body to adapt adaptation, right? Which is, which is an important thing uh, for me, like walking. I was training 10 miles a day, walking 10 miles a day before my birthday, um, 12 miles, uh, I think one or two days. Um, I didn't realize my, I, I chose walking because I knew running was going to hit my hip flexors and I'm over, I'm 230. Um, so I knew that ankles and hip flexors were my going to be my enemies. And so I thought, well, I'm walking pretty good. And I didn't think that my hip flexors would take the hit that they did from walking and they did. So now I have a different plan. If I choose to do that again is, is to put a lot more time into my hip flexors and, and change my shoes out too. I didn't change my shoes out. Um, I didn't want to take my shoes off because I knew I had blisters and I knew if I saw my blisters, I would quit. And so I, I didn't take my shoes off. Um, I learned that Vaseline would have helped out quite a bit. I was talking to one of my running friends. Um, do it. And here's the second lesson of that too, of consistency. And I, and I will get off a little bit off track, but I'll uh, uh, for a second or two, but then I'll get back on. So I went into my friends and they, and they heard I'd done 30 miles on my birthday and stuff like that. And a lot of them were like, well, you know, you, your goal was 50. I said, yeah, it, it was 50. And they said, well, you just should have got up the next day and finished that 20, not a big deal. Right. But which kind of, kind of made me smile because all my friends that ran marathons, when they heard I'd walk 30 miles in, you know, in, in a day, they all went, wow, that's pretty good, right? And they're like, you, you, did, you did great for as big as you are and for, for whatever it was. Because they, they, knew, they knew what you were going to go through afterwards. Somebody who's never done that distance would say, well, just get up and do it again. Because they don't know what the hit on the body is. I, I had the chills for three or four days um, and I had to read about it. Um, I, had, I had some other issues too, which nobody told me about that you're going to get diarrhea for the next three days, which after that's the un thing that they don't tell you about marathon running. Um, your first couple marathons, I should say. Um, but your body is such a, a warm temperature. It doesn't have to work that hard to keep temp. And then when you, you stop walking, it now has, you get the chills and because now it has to reset its system, the system to kind of keep warm. So there's some things that, 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 that happened <laughs> anyways. What, oh, so the point of the story was, I'll get back on track, was is when, when you start this journey, of, and I don't like the word journey, when you start this path um, of trying to get your health back and then working towards a fitness level that's appropriate for you, a lot of people are going to say a lot of things. They're going to give you advice and they're going to act like it's not a big deal they're not doing it every day then I can tell really quickly when somebody uh, doesn't work out by the response of when you do something uh, and they go all oh, and it's kind of flippant it's like hmm, you've never pushed yourself because you would recognize that that's a that's a pretty big deal um, so you're going to find out who trains and who doesn't train really quickly but you want to build that dedication up because not all days are, are going to be good. So we talked a little bit about, you know, why are you here? Okay. Um, finding your health, blood pressure and um, heart rate 
and and then you know and i kind of lose track on things so consistency is far far better walking is is, is a thing so let's just say you can't do it on time um, because maybe you can't walk five minutes okay D don't beat yourself up right that's the biggest thing stop being your worst enemy by judging yourself uh, walk to you know go out your house pick a distance walk to that walk back if you feel good do it again right and then leave it alone and then the next day walk out a little bit further walk back if you feel good do it again and then leave it alone and then slowly it's the progression that matters everybody wants to do it you know right now instead of progress you know you've all heard do you want to take a penny and double it every day for 30 days or do you want to take a million dollars well everybody knows if you double the penny every day you're gonna get more than a million dollars but we can't apply that to exercise like well just add a few seconds or add a, add a little bit of distance into it and try and take a little bit of chunks on and doing some things so a couple things let's talk and then i'll end on on this and I, I like to save save this for the last of it and um so you decide that you want to do this right and you hire a personal trainer be very critical of who you ask to help you with exercise what does it take to be a personal trainer Okay, and it's not, and everybody thinks that I'm anti-personal trainer, and I'm not, and I really am not. I just ask this of my college kids when they when they come in and say there has to be an educational pathway to being to doing something. So typically, a personal trainer just needs a certification. Most gyms. Um, unless it's a big chain, they will mostly require a personal training cert from them, possibly. But most of them will take any personal training certification if you're going to become a trainer. Now, if they call themselves coaches, which I have a problem with, but if they call themselves coaches, most of the time it's going to be directly through them. And, and, and they want you to have a uh, certification through them. Most of it does not require an educational background in the area. And so you can literally graduate high school, go online, take a, a, a go through a, a fitness, just type in fitness for certified personal trainer, right? And you can have a personal training certification within a couple hours uh, after doing it. In fact, a lot of times when my students come in and say, I want to be a personal trainer, I say, well, where are you going to train? And they'll tell me the place. I said, what do they require? And they said, nothing. I said, then go out and get the easiest one you can if you're going to spend your money. If, you know, don't save your money. Because it doesn't, if they don't value that training to, 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 to do this thing. So, so ask yourself this. So, you know, if it doesn't take a large educational background to do the job, how much knowledge are they going to come to that to help you? not much and people this is where i get my students offended at me quite a bit you know i've got two college degrees in in this area i my my national certification is nationally accredited meaning that you um, it, it's been certified by a, a board that has to meet certain qualifications i had to sit for two tests 
I had to provide my college transcripts in order to, to, to finalize it. I had to do an internship at a college. Um, and I, and that was all just to become a strength coach. So I needed two college degrees, a national certification, show my, prove, prove my educational background. And I, not just my, my academic record, but it had to be an act when I did it, it had to be an academic background in a certain area and several you know they had certain they, they you could do fitness you could do health you could do strength conditioning but it had to be something in the kinesiology background area they strayed for that for a little while but now they're going back and saying that again so so i had to learn something so are you going to go to a dentist that graduated high school and went to an online uh, certification to drill on your teeth no i mean I went to the dentist in the seventies. I don't, my dentist is my childhood friend and, and I don't even like, like him when I go to the dentist and I know he's a good person, right? Um, he's a better man than I am. I'm not saying much, but you know, I love him, but I hate him at the same time. So why would you put your health in the hands of somebody that's right out of high school? The other thing too, and I know that sounds very disrespectful, but if you put it in a different context, you're not going to go to a, an 18 year old doctor, right? You're not, you know, you're going to walk out with worse things. And then the other thing too, is you got to ask what's their life experience. So this is my favorite one. You listen to a personal, I've been training for 15 years. Like, okay. How old are you? You're 25. I'm not the smartest guy in the, in the world. You know, and, and I, I'll ask myself, so if I was 25 and I was training for, you know, 15 years, I might have to take my shoes off to do the math a little bit, count on my toes. So you're 10 years old, right? How smart, how smart was I at 10 years old? Mm, I was not that smart. And the things that I did at 10 years old when it came to fitness, did I learn anything? Or did I have the capacity to understand what I was doing? So I count my fitness education at 20 right you know i'm 50 so i have 30 years of experience of training in the sense of of, of exercise because that's when i started paying attention to it but as coaching i i have about 20 years of, of experience of actual coaching and strength conditioning and i'm very particular on on that because you know i thought i'm an olympic weightlifting background I thought when I graduated college, I knew a lot about Olympic weightlifting. I, I went to a college in Sacramento, Sac State at the height of when they were one of the best weightlifting teams, you know, in California. I came in on the tail end of that. So their two coaches were nationally renowned. And I walked in and, and, and I realized I didn't know anything about Olympic lifting. And I, and they used to call me Moses because I had to use a, uh, a wooden stick all the time to learn a position that they wanted me in versus the way I, I wanted to do the exercise. So I had to walk around with a stick for a long time and practice it and practice it and practice it. But it taught me a great lesson is that as smart as I thought I was, I didn't know anything and I had to start at ground one again and I began to learn. Um, and so when you're 50 and you put yourself in the hands of a 20 year old to train you, do they know what it's like to train? And that sounds like generational gap arguments and stuff like that. But 
I guarantee you they don't know what it's like to train at 50. Uh, you know, now, if, they, if they're like 30 and they've been training for 10 years and all they did was train 50-year-olds, then I'm going to give a little more credence to them. They don't have to always be 50. Like, okay, you've trained thousands of clients at 50, so you've kind of developed a background before. So, and then the other thing, too, that, that people like, so I've been training for 20, 30 years. Okay, you know, but maybe you walked in, maybe you're training like I thought I was training through college and thought I knew stuff and then realized, well, yeah, I did the Olympic lifts, but I was doing them wrong um, just because the bar went over the top of my head and it was decent weight didn't mean it was right. So I always ask the question, that's great. You've been 20 training for 20 years, but what if you've been doing it wrong for 20 years? Um, open yourself to the idea that there's a different way. Um, even to the, this day, and I've been in this business for a long time, I watch strength coaches specifically two that one is um, 20 years older than, I, well, 15 years older than I am. And the other one is 10 years older than I am. And I personally watch how they train themselves because I'm 50. I want to know what it's like to train when I'm 65. What are the, what are the accommodations that they have made in their own personal lives and how are they working around them and how are they staying fit and what does their bodies look like? You know, what can I expect? So I'm constantly looking at myself as, as, as I'm a, a beginning person and, and, and changing some things. So, when you don't be afraid to fire your personal trainer, especially if they start treating you like a 20 year old, then you're not 20. You know, you're not going to react the same way. You know, you can't just think about that kind of thing. So kind of to recap what we talked about, the the main takeaways that I want you to do. I want you to sit down and try this for the next week or so. I want you to write down your heart rate when you first get up in the morning. If you have a, a phone, you can get it. You can't, if you have a phone, you can um, get an app and you can take it. If you have an Apple watch, just slap it on yourself in the morning and, 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 and hit heart rate um, and kind of write it down every day and see where you're at, okay? Um, and kind of monitor it for, for a little while. And, and, and if you have a way of taking your blood pressure, great. If you don't, that's fine. Let's do heart rate in, in the beginning. And then I want you to do this last thing and we'll kind of bring it up the next time. I want you to write down all your obstacles that you feel are ahead of you when it comes to losing weight, all your obstacles, okay? The things that are gonna stop you. And then I want you to write a list of all the things that are your advantages that are going to help you lose weight. Um, please don't write down I'm motivated. Um, that's not an advantage. Um, that's just lying to yourself. Because there's, I mean, you throw biscuits and gravy in front of me, I'm eating it, right? I don't care. I'm eating it. You know, my dedication is out the window. My motivation is out the window. I'm going to eat it, right? Um, so let's not say motivation, but what are your, what's your, you know, how close is the gym? You know, um, what kind of grocery stores do you have by, uh, supports, uh, spousal support, all those kinds of things. 
you know, you know, could be advantage, could be a disadvantage, but write down what, what are your obstacles and what are your, what are the things that are going to help you to do that? And then it's not so much of what's going to help you that I care about. I'll, let's look, we'll start looking at your obstacles and I want you to start to rate them, you know, of like things that you can't, you have no control of that you can't change, put them at the bottom. Things that you, um, you have some control over, put them in the middle and things you have 100% control over, put them at the top and kind of look at that and say, um, and, and kind of organize those in the sense of your obstacles of doing that. And just a quick teaser of why we're doing this. Most people who fail at weight loss have more obstacles than they do um, things that are helping them. And that's normal, right? You're normal. So if you do write this down, and you say that you have more advantages or things that are gonna help you versus your obstacles, you're really not looking at your obstacles. Your obstacles should be bigger, right? Um, and you're really, you know, gonna, you, what we're gonna do is account for them and how do we make them in? And I'll tell you a story next time on, on what, what we're doing. So that's what we're talking about. I hope you see that I take a different approach. Most of the time when you start looking at people say, okay, they're gonna put you on some diet and they're gonna put you on some exercise program. And, and I'm like, well, how's it gonna work for me, right? And how's it gonna work for, does it, if you're giving me a canned program, then it's really not, you're not really trying to help me, you're just selling me a program. And so what we're gonna do is help you define and develop your own program and help you overcome your stumbling blocks that, that, that do that. All right, that's what I got for you today. And I hope you enjoyed it. I, I, I you know, send me feedback. Um, I already know I'm bald and, and ugly, so you don't have to tell me that. Um, I have three daughters, they tell me that on a regular basis. But, you know, feedback is good. Thanks a lot. Bye.